the Sanfords, I don't want to embarrass you guys, but they, uh, they've come to us and they've been such a blessing to this church and so involved and, and active. And um, I was especially mindful yesterday, I thought this was cute and sweet. I was standing up there afterwards and little Harley came up and handed me a card on the plan of salvation. <laughs> so I guess Mike, Mike needs it as much as anybody. So, um, and that was encouraging to see the kids out there and they were, uh, Devin's sons were passing out the song packets to uh, the people who came to, to um, the event yesterday. And, and, uh, and I, I just, you know, we, we encourage our elders and we pray for our elders, but I want you to encourage your deacons and to pray for them as well. Uh, and I think you should know that yesterday, seven of the ten deacons were at the the uh, at Depot Park, and the three that weren't there, one of them is recovering from a heart attack, one of them scheduled for surgery tomorrow, and one of them is back there in what I call the the surgery recovery room. It was uh, with a, a foot propped up with a surgical cap over his sock. That's that's Danny who recently had surgery. So. Uh, uh, th they were very encouraging to, to be there, and I think you should pray for them and you should encourage them in the work that they do. We're going to take just a moment now for those who have not obeyed the gospel and for those who have to give some thought to a statement that's found in the book of Romans. It's a very familiar passage. It's chapter 1 and verse 16. It's a statement that Paul wrote to the church at Rome, and he said, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul said, I'm not ashamed. Think about the power of that statement. Have you ever been ashamed of something? You've been ashamed of something. You've done something of which you are ashamed. Maybe there's somebody that you know that you're closely aligned with. And they've done something, and you're ashamed of what they did. And you're so closely connected to them that what they did kind of influences your reputation as well. So we know what that's about. But what is it that motivated Paul to write, I'm not ashamed of the gospel? If we can answer that question, if we can give some thought to that, then those who are Christians, even though we would never come out and say that we're ashamed of the gospel, and I think I would put myself into this category, Sometimes we live in such a way as to cause others to question that. If I say I'm not ashamed of the gospel, then I think people should be hearing the gospel from me. I think I should be reaching out to others with that gospel message. But for those who have not obeyed the gospel, I think what you'll see as you look at this verse very closely, what you'll see is sentiments expressed by one under the influence of the Holy Spirit that can move you and that can motivate you to want to obey the gospel. Notice first he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. What do we see in the gospel message? We see God's power. Now, think about the power of God for just a moment. There is a sense in which everyone has been exposed to the power of God. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, Paul writes, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, 
being understood through what has been made so that, and he's speaking of the Gentiles here, so that they are without excuse. Well, if you've never obeyed the gospel, think about what you see in creation. You've seen numerous manifestations of the power of God. Look up at the stars at night. Look at the sunrise. Look at the sunset. Consider the power of storms and natural disasters. Look at the Grand Canyon. See all in creation that speaks boldly and clearly of God's divine power. But that manifestation of God's power pales in comparison with the power of God that was seen in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Those manifestations of God's power pale in comparison with the power that God will exert upon your decision to become a child of His. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21, Paul writes, For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. The world looks at this message as a message of foolishness. Paul looks at this message as a manifestation of God's power. God's power to save. And it was for that reason that Paul could write unashamedly, I am not ashamed of the gospel. In the book of Romans, the 11th chapter in verse 14, Paul writes of, of his desire that the Jews be moved to jealousy based upon the fact that God has saved all men, even those outside the Jewish nation. God has reached down with his mercy and his grace, and he has provided them an opportunity to be saved. Paul, for that reason, writes in Romans 11 and verse 14 that if somehow I might move to jealousy my countrymen and save some of them. He was not ashamed to preach the gospel to the Jews who had rejected the Christ because he knew that God's power could forgive them in spite of that rejection. Jesus knew that. When Jesus hung on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they were forgiven when on the day of Pentecost at least 3,000 of them responded to the gospel and they confessed their faith and they were baptized to be forgiven of their sins. How can we be ashamed? How can we be ashamed of that gospel? It's God's power to say. And the second thing I would call your attention to is the fact that it is from God. The power is not in us. The power is in God. The origin of the gospel is not man. It's not just a plan that some man came up with. As we read through the Bible, what we see is that prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit. The apostles were moved by the Holy Spirit. It was, a very, it was the very opening of God's heart in the sending of the Holy Spirit to guide these inspired apostles and prophets to let us know what God wants what God has done on our behalf. 
again, in 1 Corinthians, there's so much connection in, in the first uh, uh, chapter of 1 Corinthians and the first chapter of the book of Romans. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, Paul writes, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power, that's our first point, but it is the power of God. It is God who gives us the gospel. And in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24, he writes, But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God. God is the source. It is God's power. It is not man's power. And for that reason, we should not be ashamed of it. To be ashamed of that power, to be ashamed of that gospel, is to be ashamed of God who gave us this gospel message. In Ephesians, the first chapter, when Paul was praying for those in the church at Ephesus, he prayed that, that God would open their eyes and that their hearts would be enlightened and that they would, Ephesians 1 and verse 19, they would know of the surpassing greatness of his power, his power toward us who believe. Why was it Paul's prayer? What, why was it his desire that they would be able to grasp, the, they would be able to, to properly assimilate and understand the power of God? It was because it was that power that raised them. In chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians, as you look at what Paul writes here, he writes of God and what he has done for us, that he has raised us up with him, Ephesians 2 and verse 6, and he has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, God's power raised Jesus from the dead, and God's power will raise you from the dead. As you are baptized, as you come up from the waters of baptism, the exertion of the same power that brought Jesus out of the tomb will be the power that will release you from the bondage of sin. And it is for that reason that we should not be ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. And the scope of the gospel should as well make us unashamed of it. Paul writes here in Romans 1 and verse 16, it is the salvation, it is for salvation to everyone. Everyone. Do you know somebody who does not make up the everyone? When you, there are no superlatives to the word everyone. Everyone covers everyone. Every, let's separate the words. Everyone. Whatever the one has done, whatever the sin that has been committed by the one. Paul writes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to every one. John 3.16 again. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We looked at the passage earlier on prayer and why we are to pray. Why are we to pray for those in positions of authority? Why are we to pray for government rulers? Well, it is because of God's desire and God's love for all men, for every one. 1 Timothy 2, verse 4, let's read that again. Who desires all men to be saved, all men to be saved, and, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
We read the passage in, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 that God is not slow about His promises, but He desires that all men repent and be saved, be forgiven of their sins. I am not ashamed of that message. And there is no one that I should separate from the everyone and fail to share that message with that person because everyone can be saved. Wow, you've got that message. I've got that message. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even have to, uh, what do we call it, um, stereotype them. I don't have to prejudge them. If, if they're in the everyone then they're subject to hear the gospel. But the last thing that Paul says here is the demand of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's not salvation that carries with it no obligation. It is not a gospel message that is preaching a cheap grace that has no demands attached to it. It requires belief. And belief is closely connected with obedience. In chapter 1 of the book of Romans, in verse 5, through whom we, as he writes about his apostleship, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. Look at that. The obedience of faith among the Gentiles. It's obedience that results from faith. So when Paul writes that the gospel is for everyone who believes, the manifestation of that belief, the manifestation of that faith is obedience. In John chapter 3, and I'll be reading from the New American Standard. You may have a translation that reads a bit differently. But in John chapter 3, we see a clear connection between faith and obedience. John chapter 3 and verse... 36, he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So it's not simply a matter of walking away from the gospel message, the message of Jesus, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection and saying, well, I believe that. You can leave here this morning firmly convinced and believe the facts of the gospel, but not come under the power of God for salvation if you fail to act on that belief. A decision must be made. Action must be taken. We know the gospel plan. The gospel plan is to hear the word, it's to believe it, it's to confess that faith that's in your heart, it's to repent of your sins, and then it's to be baptized to have those sins washed away. But if there is not the uniting of obedience with belief, then there will not be salvation. We see this in the example of the Old Testament nation of Israel. In chapter 4 of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2, for indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Coming to a church building and hearing the gospel 10,000 times 
And believing that gospel, but not acting on that belief, will not result in salvation. In this same book, Hebrew, the, the book of Hebrews, if you go back up in verse 18 of chapter 3, to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient, disobedient. So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Well, which is it? Let me read that again, Hebrews 3, verse 18. They were not able to enter because they were disobedient. Verse 19, we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Well, which is it? What did Paul write back at Romans chapter 1 about his apostleship? What did he say? The obedience that comes from faith. You cannot simply believe upon hearing you must be obedient. And when you are obedient, then that promise to enter His rest remains. Brethren, let us not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. If you're here today and you not obeyed the gospel, why not invoke the power of God so that you can be saved? If you're subject to the call, please come as we stand and say. Why keep Jesus waiting?